This is Andrew Stone, and you're listening to the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders like yourself to get better. That's what we do. My name's Jared Hogan. I'm joined with none other than the infamous Roman Johnson. Why am I infamous? I thought that was a good thing. Can I be famous? The famous Roman Johnson, the professional rapper, Roman Johnson. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the Lord is on the throne, so I'm feeling fine. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, hey, folks, this is episode 19. Wow, One 19. Nine. Yeah. We're That's gonna, awesome. We're going to break 20 this year. That's which very is exciting. Really cool. We should throw a tiny party, a tiny audio party <laughs> on the Creative Sheet Podcast. A very tiny audio I'll party. I'll pop one of those little poppers. That's, that's incredible. Uh, man, folks, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, Andrew Stone, the uh, the production manager of Church on the Move, is joining us today. If you don't know who he is... The living is, legend. He is a living legend. This guy traveled the world uh, with some really uh, incredible artists uh, that you may have heard of, which he'll talk about here in just a little bit. Um, and we're not really talking production necessarily. We're talking more the leadership side of production yeah, today. Yeah, he, he does... His team at Church on the Move pulls off some amazing... Uh, events on a weekly basis yep. and some huge events on like a yearly basis. But what you might not know is there's tons of things that go on behind the scenes to orchestrate the loads of staff and volunteers uh, that are backstage and running cameras and yep. mixing sound. And I mean, there's so many environments that he handles that he, I'm sure he spends more time on the leadership side of things than he does actually doing, you know, production type things. I would think he would have to. So we're actually going to be talking about the core values that he instituted uh, as his as the production team, uh, just to continue to communicate his vision uh, for where his team is to go. And it's just some incredible information. So whether you're in the production world or not, this is some really great information for you that's hopefully going to inspire you to get better. But before we get to that, we've, we have to get to today's one question. One question, one question, it's time for one question. Folks, this is the one question for today. This is where we take one question and we answer it. I love this segment, Jared, because we we take one question and we answer it. I think that's what I said. <laughs> but uh, we are going to answer the question today with it being uh, fresh into the month of December. There's some gentle snowflakes falling outside the window. I wish there were. <laughs> There's not. There's not. I wish there were. But uh, today's question is actually more of a festive question. I love festivity. <laughs> what is your favorite Christmas album or Christmas song, Ryan? Okay, I'm going to have to go... With my favorite Christmas album. Okay. It's a tie between three albums. That's not one. Oh, can I say my top and then my That's two? That's fine. Okay, my top Christmas album is definitely Kenny G Christmas. Really? It is so good. He is so smooth with that saxophone. <laughs> just put it on and let it go on loop for the whole Christmas season. Yeah. I don't care. I just listen to it. So That's number one. Okay. Number two would have to be, and I don't like any of his other music, but the Michael Buble Christmas album. You love Michael Buble. I do not. But his, the guy can can sing some Christmas songs. He can. And then, I don't know if I'm stealing any of your thunder, but number three is the NSYNC Christmas album. Whoa, wow. <laughs> it is hilariously corny, and I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, if I had to go, and I'm going to get made fun of for this, I know, favorite Christmas album of all time 
is Mariah Carey's of course it is. first <laughs> Christmas album. The second one's a joke. The first one. The one with All I Want for Christmas is You, yes, the, the first one. Yes. Yeah. My wife and I sing that to each other every year. That's so, um, so touching. I lo- I'm listening to Christmas music now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love, I start listening to Christmas music typically about November 1st. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, But that one, I would say, though, my favorite Christmas song of all time is actually a rendition of a song that I don't like from Church mm, on the Move. Interesting. Uh, the Their rendition of Drummer Boy, uh, the Michael Jackson-ish uh, version, yes. favorite Christmas song of all time. Really? It's, it's very weird. When I first saw this song performed live, it brought tears to my eyes. Wow. I don't even like the song. It's all but about when, a drummer boy that just wants to play for Jesus. Man. I know it's a pretty I, moving concept it, for a song. It is, and but for whatever reason, I've never liked it. But the Church on the Move rendition. Of well, the traditional boy. version gets a little stale. <laughs> right, right. So, anyways, that folks is today's one question. Join the conversation. Let us know what your favorite Christmas album, uh, Christmas song. We'd love to hear it. Christmas uh, cookie. Yeah, is, uh, for that matter. Uh, a runner-up for me would have to be uh, uh, Last Christmas by Wham. <laughs> That's an honorable mention, I should let's, say. Let's end this segment right <laughs> okay, now. Okay, I, I want to just keep talking about Christmas music. <laughs> and that is, folks, today's one question. Question, one question, one, one, one question. Folks, I think, I think uh, Roman, I don't want to speak on behalf of, of you, but I will speak on behalf of myself. Please do. In that uh, I think I could talk about Christmas for this entire episode. We could do an entire Christmas Creative Sheep podcast that has nothing to do with anything else but the festivities of Christmas. And just how much we love Christmas. I love it. If and you want to talk more about Christmas, do. just give us a call yeah. and we'll talk with you for 918 918-872-0344. 918-872-0344. I'm surprised you have that number memorized. I do. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, we've got to move on uh, with uh, the rest of the episode. So here is today's shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shame, shameless, shameless plug. Shameless Shameless Folks, we've got to talk about one thing and one thing only. Christmas. We're just going to keep it going. Keep it going, man. I just love Christmas. I do too. I think I would listen to Christmas music in July if people didn't think I was crazy. But I don't care what people think, so I do listen to I July definitely sometimes. have seen you listening to it yeah. in, in the off months. It, it's true. It's kind of a sickness. We're going to talk about Christmas. Uh, creativesheep.org. Uh, that's what this podcast is brought to you by. You better believe it. And we have... We have loads, I would say. Loads is a good term, Jared, for what we have, the amount of Christmas. You actually need a wheelbarrow yeah. to get the amount of uh, I think Christmas content. Another we word, have. we have copious amounts of Christmas content. <laughs> That's a Clay Clark reference for you <laughs> yeah, right there. It, he was on the show. Incredible interview. I think it was episode 15. Shameless plug for that. Yeah, go Anyhow. check it out. It's, a, it's an Inception shameless plug. Oh, it's a, a plug shameless plug within a, plug. a shameless plug. That's crazy talk. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got a new piece that just released called What Do You See? And mm. it, uh, hey, just watch it. And uh, let me know if you feel anything, and uh, maybe you could use it in your church. It's uh, it has a very warm feeling to it. It does have a very warm feeling to it. That's not all we have, folks. Of course, we have several other pieces uh, that we've made over the past several years. Go check it out at creativesheep.org. Uh, we've got plenty of Christmas content out there, stuff for in-service as well as to kick your service off, some amazing interactive countdowns. Get out there and check them out. If you don't laugh at our interactive countdowns, give me a call, and I will send you a dollar in the mail. That's how funny they are. Um, I, I, I promise you that. So anyhow, that is today's shameless plug. Moving on. Shameless plug. Shame, shameless plug. Folks, we've already set this up. 
Andrew Stone is on the podcast today. The production manager of Church on the Move traveled the world producing for artists uh, and managing their tours. Um, folks that I, I guarantee you'll hear of, I don't want to spoil it for him because he's going to talk about it in the interview. Uh, but this guy is just a beast, a beast of an individual. He is an awesome, awesome dude with an incredible heart. Um, Jared, I, I think uh, we should count down to, to our interview. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Get us started. Five, four, four three, three, two. two. One. Man, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today as you take that final sip of LaCroix. <laughs> My favorite drink. Uh, do you have a favorite flavor? Man, you know what? I'm an orange I'm an orange guy. All the time? Pretty much all the time. You never mix it up. If I can find orange, I'm there. <laughs> uh, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. You are very welcome. Good to be here. Yeah, man. I, I mean this in the most respectful way possible. You're a freak <laughs> at, at what you do. I... <laughs> And what I mean by that is just you're an you're an absolute beast in the production field. Like you're a monster at what you do. And I, I seriously, I can't I can't thank you enough. I know you guys are just super busy all the time, and um, I know you you work here at Church on the Move, uh, travel and speak. I know you write some. Christmas is right around the corner here at the church, and that is that's like that's the week of of the church. No matter what we do, someone keeps scheduling Christmas every time. <laughs> Aren't we busy enough? Right, right. And so uh, you taking the time to to do this, man. I, I seriously can't thank you enough. Well, man, so glad to do it. So glad to do it. This this stuff is important to me, and talking about these topics is very, very important to what I do, and, yeah. and I'm passionate about it. So I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, we're going to be talking about uh, the core values that you put in place for your production team. So uh, before we jump into those, let's let's uh, for those listening maybe that that are familiar with unfamiliar with the name Andrew Stone, uh, give us a little backstory. Uh, I'm sitting here in your office, and we're surrounded by uh, posters and and gold albums uh, that that you, are that you produced. These is that correct? Yeah, I most of the ones hanging up are uh, are ones that I mixed on or or uh sometimes you you receive a gold record for uh some bands really attribute their success in record sales to touring Mm -hmm. i mean that's just the way they they sold them it it wasn't necessarily based on on radio plays and all that so a few a few records uh you would receive from bands that are like you were a pivotal part of our touring organization and you helped make us successful so um, they made millions and I got a plastic record that looks gold. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. So, so right now though, like we're surrounded at point of grace is hanging here. Carmen yeah, uh, is up on the wall. Yeah, third great. day. Uh, good grief, man. A lot did, of third day. Did you work with for him before working with Andy? I here? did. So I, I never toured with for him per se, but, uh, we were, they were managed by the same company that managed, uh, point of grace and Wayne Watson and Stephen Curtis Chapman and Petra. This was back in the, you know, mid eighties, all through the nineties, all that stuff. Yeah. So it was all kind of one little group that was managing them. So, we would jump around and actually work for quite a few different artists, but it was all kind of in the same management team. Oh, wow. So that's where I first encountered Andy Chrisman and, <laughs> and all those and all that ilk. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what ilk means. Yeah, whatever. All right, let's move on. Uh, <clears throat> so, so okay, so let's give a little backstory here. Before you came, you've been at Church on the Move now for... This is, this is my 11th year. I oh, started man. in 2005. So, okay. and I had never... Uh, I had never had a real job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I had only toured and, and traveled and I'd lived in Nashville and just kind of done that thing. Yeah. And this was the first place where I actually uh, was offered the opportunity to not travel as my primary 
you know, uh, mode of living. Yeah. Um, and hey, by the way, here's an office, and here's here's leadership responsibilities and all that. It ended up being very, very, very similar to what I was doing on the road mm. without the travel. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. When you've traveled that long and you get that opportunity, it's something you don't take very lightly. Yeah. When it when it comes to you, so it was very much a god uh, a god ordained situation where I still get to do work. I work in a church. I work for a church. I serve exactly in, in the same mentality of what I was doing on the road, but kind of doing it for reasons that are very pure and right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So let's jump back then to, so touring out on the road, you were, were you, were you production manager out on the road? Yeah. So I started way back when I was going to be, uh, and I say this a lot. I, I really felt that I was God's gift to drumming. <laughs> now, I don't, I'm not sure that he told anybody else that, so I don't know if it really, it didn't really spread around too much. So, yeah. um, but as far as in my head, I was God's gift to drumming. Yeah. Um, a couple of years in Nashville proved that I probably wasn't mm. God's gift to drumming, but I had always been uh, a production guy. My dad had done a lot of this, volunteering oh, wow. in the church and very, very, uh, just, kind of electronics based mindset with kind of where he was. So I, I kind of grew up around it. Um, and so it was a very natural thing for me to go, Hey, so if I don't, if I'm not on stage playing drums or behind the glass in a studio playing drums, um, it was very natural to move into producing that side of it mm. or mixing that side of it or doing the production for that side of live shows and all that. And it was just natural. It really was natural. And um, and I really think God set that up and cultivated that for a reason. Mm -hmm. He gave me all that musical background through my whole life. My, from about the time I was so probably about 10, I was wow. into music, playing everything from piano, drums, upside down pots and pans, whatever it was. And that was, that was great. But that gave me a really great basis, musical basis for what I do now, Yeah, which is different. A lot of guys have a technical basis. And that's awesome. And those guys are needed. I don't really have that. Hmm. Wow. I don't care much about gear and all that kind of junk. I'm more about the the art and the creative and the musicianship behind what makes these big events go. Yeah. And these big projects go. And it just gives me a different perspective on it. So so that's kind of how this how it flipped and I kind of, you know, meandered into the production, audio producing world, that kind of thing. So you literally grew up in this world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this is it. I mean, this is what I knew I was going to do from when I was a little boy. Wow. I mean, I, I just was like, there was nothing else in front of me. I wasn't, I was like, yeah, I guess I can go to college. I don't, whatever. I mean, do I get to play drums there? You know, it was just, <laughs> it was that kind of thing. It's, and that really was it. And yeah. my parents even, they're like, you were the most driven uh, little kid ever. Like wow. everybody else is out playing and I'm in the basement teaching myself how to, you know, learn paradiddles and all these weird, you know, uh, drum charts and all this kind of stuff. That was my thing. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Hmm. I didn't really put a lot of stock in playing ping pong and yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have that same affinity for drums still? I do. Um, if I could, I have drums all over my house. 
Uh, they're most of them are decorative and just because they're awesome, and some of them are collector's editions, and I don't want to give them up. Yeah. Um, but even when I started at Church on the Move, I played drums uh, at some local studios here for several years. But it got oh, wow. so busy here, I kind of just couldn't keep it up. Yeah. But it was fun. It yeah. was just really fun to do something completely different in the evenings, you know, and, and play drums because you weren't doing that during the days. And it was nice. Got to work on some really cool projects. So. Yeah. And what what's cool about that is hearing you say you you coming from not the technical background but from the musical background or the creative the artsy side of this is I've actually heard Wit and Wit George the executive pastor here at the church and some other folks um, on these teams describe you as just important a member of the band as Andy Chrisman Jordan Weston um, anybody else that's up there on stage you've been described as you're a just important part of the band as they are. That's flattering. I um, probably should change my haircut or something to match that <laughs> analogy. Maybe throw on some skinny jeans. Yeah, yeah, I could work on that. Um, well, okay. So now you're 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 no longer drumming, or maybe a little bit just here and there. But the main thing is you are the production manager at Church on the Move, which I, I mean, working with you now here at the church, that like kind of describes what you do. <laughs> you you do so much more than just that. Um, but that's kind of like the main, that's the main thing. Um, and so, but obviously, I mean, we've got a ton of environments around here um, where there's, I mean, there's stuff going on constantly. And obviously you're not in turning the knobs on every environment. And so you've got a team of people helping you with this. How, how big is your team now? The team, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where we think we should have gotten much bigger a long time ago. Mm-hmm. If you look at the amount of events we do. Yeah. But uh, right now there's 18 people that are working here, either either salary, full-time, part-time, that just focus on managing these events and the environments that go with the events and, and the experience, the related experiences and all that. That's from the guys doing maintenance, the guys uh, maintaining the, not maintenance for the building, but <laughs> <laughs> maintaining the equipment and, and making sure everything's working, to we do a lot of our in, own in-house fabrication to, mm. to build to build things. I mean, we, you know, we have a big operation, but we are in Tulsa. We don't have a ton of options of, Hey, let's go down the street and let's find the cool prop warehouse and dig around and find all this (laughs) cool stuff. We have to literally come up with it. So we've got guys here that really focus on just fabrication and design, um, everything, different audio engineers, lighting designers, um, you name it. It's a very interesting, um, grouping of people that have felt called to be here in Tulsa. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting situation. Yeah. So, and something I don't take lightly because there, you know, that's a very much a God thing that he is, he's put the right people in the right place. So anyway, this team, um, man, and it's everything from part of our team is setting up tables and chairs. I mean, it's that, it's that kind of stuff that it isn't all, Ooh, all the glamor and the cool lights and video. Some of it is strictly, Man, we need 8,000 chairs set up in four minutes, and we're going to figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know what? That requires a, a pretty high level of management to figure that out. So Absolutely. It kinda, it's a very wide uh, swath of, <laughs> of, of options of things that we take care of. Yeah. So 18, 18 people on the team overseeing a wide variety of stuff, even beyond the sound, the lights, the video, the iMag. I mean, whatever all of that is. And then not only that, though, we now have three campuses. 
Um, and then we also still have our summer camp, uh, which is an hour away from where you office. And so, and I got to work with your team over the summer out there. Um, they did a phenomenal job. Uh, but but one thing, and this is really what I wanted to talk about today, is was it about a year ago that you instituted these core values for your team, or maybe yeah. a little longer than yeah, that? Yeah, that was about when I when I uh, unleashed it to them. Yeah. <laughs> so you put together ten things, ten things that this is who we are as the production department. Um, this is who we're going to be. These are the things that we're going to do. And I just thought these principles were fantastic. Um, and 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 I, before we even jump into these, why are these so important to you? That's a great question. The, these were these items were. Um, in fact, when I first put these together in my notes, I've had these for a long time, and I, I've just kind of refined them. Yeah, uh, I called them an ethos. And and then I was like, I don't think anybody even knows what that means. Other than the water at Starbucks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, you have a what? An ethos? <laughs> You're carrying that with you? But that's it's really what it was. It was a it was more of a, a thought pattern, a lifestyle, um, some kind of uh, foundation or basic principles that could guide even a production guy. Mm-hmm. And you you talk about foundations and basic principles and 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 all this stuff, and that's a real leadership topic. And it's usually guided more towards a ministry mindset, mm-hmm. you know, or a, um, you know, s- some kind of, uh, you know, intervention, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. But for me, I was going, this is a, this is a big deal. These, these guys work a lot and they serve a lot. And if they're serving out of being empty, and this is just from, from me, just personally, of years and years and years of doing this. If I'm serving all the time out of being empty, I am I am not I'm actually doing a disservice to the people I'm serving. And one of the things I, I found is that if I don't have anything to rely on, it's very easy to be empty all the time. Mm. I'm talking not just physically tired, but spiritually and emotionally, mm. relationally empty because you're busy all the time. So that's where some of these actually started was how can I put some thoughts together on paper that actually make sense uh, and give give a foundation for some for some of us to rely on just to you know and some of them are super practical and some of them are a little lofty but it's all you put them all together and you've got 10 items that are like man we can really this is something we can really base our our almost every situation on mm-hmm. and we have them posted on the wall so we'll actually be talking about something and we'll just go to we'll say refer to number four <laughs> and, and everybody knows, Oh, number four, got it. And, and it, it helps just give a, um, maybe it, maybe it grounds us just a little bit. Yeah. And these are, so it was things that I had had so long in my personal life and just had kind of developed. And I was like, I think it's time to unleash this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, literally one morning, everybody showed up for a staff for a production staff meeting and I had been here late the night before, and I'd written them all on the wall on these big marker boards with this the biggest, fattest, darkest, blackest uh, marker I could find. And so it was just this bold, all this listing all the way across the wall because, you know, it's kind of a lot of information. And everybody came in, and I mean, no one uttered a word. They're just like, whoa, what's, what's about to happen? Yeah. And it was really great, though, because we just started discussing it. We spent the whole morning discussing what it was, and it was pivotal. It was like, pivotal. It's like Moses coming down off the mountain. <laughs> Everybody just walks in like, oh, man. I couldn't find my chisel, so I you know, <laughs> had to do it with a marker. 
That's incredible. Man, I love this so much because, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, one of the things I, I know about you, you're a big systems guy. Yeah. Love, love organization. Yeah. Um, if you walk through Stone's department, like, it, it, it literally, like, I feel like you could eat food off the floor. It, everything is so clean and neat and organized and, like, there's a place for everything. It's not discombobulated. Like, if you need to find something, I don't even work in your world, but I guarantee you I could walk back there, and if I needed to find something, I could find it. That's how organized you are, um, which is so cool And that, like, in leadership, it's all about duplicating yourself, right, and giving the job away. And I heard you say the other day that, like, rather than me – verbally saying to someone every time I need you to go do a task and communicating it verbally, I'm just going to put it on paper. And it's just like, here, now go right. do this. Right. Um, and, and I feel like that's what you did here is like you duplicated yourself. And I even saw on the seeds blog, seeds.churchonthemove.com. Andrew's written tons of stuff there. I would encourage you to go check all of it out. Um, but you had a blog a long time ago that had just a few of these principles. And then you had an updated one um, with more of them on there. And it's just like, this is you duplicating yourself into other people through these principles, which is incredible. So let me talk less and let's let you talk more. And and uh, let's start walking through some of these. So the first one, and I love this one, I, I, th- I thought it was fantastic that this was the first principle in the lineup. I don't know if this was on purpose or if it was just the first one the chisel hap- happened to, to etch. Uh, but uh, believe that you are the right person for the job. Yeah, that is that is so key to our whole thing. And that really was the first one on the list. And that is something that I've had to tell myself my entire career. Because if you think about what I started doing mm-hmm. my early twenties, uh, which, which here is, that's normal. And I mean, and, and even in the, like in the military, like most of the guys serving are 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So I'm out there, uh, certainly not working in the military, but doing in my world, I'm in scary, weird situations that I don't, I don't know the answer to. I don't know what's going on, but I do know that I was in the right place at the right time and this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So even when I'm at those pivotal ages where I don't know what to do and no one's really, I don't really have a mentor and I'm out there tour managing or, or handling these productions and I have no stinking clue what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of making it up by gut instinct. This one thing, believe that you're the right person for the job. That's the thing I've told myself for years now. So, I mean, for 25, 27 years, believe I'm the right person for the job. I know that I'm in the right place because God put me here. If I can't tell myself that, and if I don't believe that, the rest of the list is, is, I mean, why bother talking about it? This is the thing. So this is the thing we talk about as a team. No matter what we do, no matter how tired we get, no matter what somebody asks us to do, I have to believe that I am the right person for the job in every role. If that means that your job is cleaning toilets today, you know what? That's exactly where God put me today. And without those, without that underlying principle, I have nothing else to build on. I have no other foundation that we can build on, you know, as a team. So, so that was kind of a design as the first one, but this is, this is the one that's like, uh, you know, it, it's definitely the, uh, the Jack Handy, you know, the, the the little comments from the Saturday Night Live guy where, believe you're the right person for the job. You know, you're talking <laughs> to the mirror and all that. Deep thoughts. Deep thoughts, yeah. yeah. So that, that this is sort of one of those statements, but it's so elementary to what we do. Yeah. 
So when we have, even if I have somebody new on the team or a new intern or something like that, this is the first thing we talk about. Do you know why you're here? They may not. Whether they do or don't, you have to believe that you're the right person for the job at this time, at this point in time. And that helps a lot of people because in, in production, in my world, it tends to get very lonely. Mm-hmm. It really is. Whether you're a leader, whether you're not a leader, um, whether you're just a doer, sometimes it's a job you do that's completely by yourself. Sometimes you're here when it's dark outside and the parking lot's empty and you're the only one here. Or at the end of the day, everyone's gone. They went home to have the holiday. And you're here cleaning up after the event and getting ready for the next thing. And it feels like nobody cares and nobody knows. You know what? Believe that you're the right person for the job. It makes things go a lot smoother for you. So this has been a, this is pivotal to all of us. If I could figure out how to tattoo it on, I probably would. That's a lot of words. Maybe, maybe right across the, the forehead. forehead. Maybe that a good could spot work. for it. Right. <laughs> um, man, there's so many good things that you said right there. I love that principle. It's scriptural. Proverbs 23, seven says, as you believe in your heart, that's who you are. Um, and I would even say with that, you said you've been in the industry now 25, 27 years. Um, so are there times that you still have to remind yourself of this oh, where yeah. I don't these know are, what on earth I'm doing right now? What's so amazing is when I wrote these out, it was just, I was writing things that I tell myself all the time and wow. I discuss with myself all the time. I mean, I have, to, I mean, I get hit with everything and not, I mean, we all do. It's a busy world. Everybody's busy. Everybody has a lot of stuff going on, but most of what I deal with are problems. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. it. Come fix this. Make it better. Make it. This is terrible. How do we make it right? It's always problems. And I think a lot of leadership, that's what it is. It's a lot of problems. A lot of pastors, they're dealing with problems. How do we navigate through this uncharted territory? It's negative by nature. Um, it's very important to me that I remember that God put me here. Hmm. And that he put me here because I'm the, right, I'm the best one to do this job right now. And, and I'm telling you, that's, uh, I'll tell it to myself in the shower sometimes, just like, dude, I got a, I got a day and I don't know exactly how I'm going to get through all this. I don't know how I'm going to navigate this. This is crazy, but I'm the right person for the job. I'm going to make this happen. And that's, it's a great, great tenant that I felt like would do as much good for everybody else to remember that as me. And one thing that's interesting is with our team. When they hear me talking about this and talking about it from the heart and they realize that, wow, like he's, this is him. I'm not some super stud that's got it all figured out. I'm, I have had a lot of experience Mm -hmm. and I've got some really cool stories I can tell about interesting places I've been, (laughs) but, and, and there is some cool stuff in my office, you know, little artifacts and stuff. But I mean, essentially what you have is what's inside you and what, what God's birthed in you. For me to be able to talk to my team on a realistic level and them know that, hey, this is something I struggle with too. I have to tell myself. I have to remind myself that I'm the right person for the job. It's a very uh, humanizing situation that helps us really – it it helps reinforce the fact that we are a team together. And I think it means as much to some of these guys out here who are 18, 19 years old and – even some interns. I mean, I had an intern last year that was 17, Whoa. had never been away from home. And he came here for a year to work with us. 
Hmm. And I don't even know if he owned a black shirt before he came here, you know? <laughs> so we blackened him, you know? <laughs> but for him to know that, for him to start realizing some of these things and knowing that I, who am old enough to be his father, am still dealing with the same thing, I think it really puts a common bond between a lot of us. So it's been a, it's been a really good way to start this list. That's very cool. So we touched on this one just a little bit earlier, but details are what your next one is details are what take us from good to great. Um, Real big on systems, checklists, organization. Just touch on this one briefly, man. The only thing, and this is what we talk about as a team. The only thing that separates us from anybody else, because let's face it, there are, there are many people out there who do a great job at what they do. Mm. Right, we're not the only ones that do happen to do something uh, to an awesome level. I mean, ever, there's that's happening all over the place. The only thing that separates us from anyone else is that if we can look after all the details, it will make a difference. It will. So one little detail, you might go, ah, it's just a little detail. Who cares? You add up a thousand little details, and you've got a massive pile. If you can surmount that, and you can like deal with those and and take care of those little details, you just went from being really good to stinking great. I mean, that's it. I mean, you really did. And it, all it is is just looking around. And so that's the thing we look at. And, and we don't we don't go crazy with it. I mean, it's not one of those where we're walking around with white gloves and, you know, looking for dirt. It's nothing like that. It's things like, you know what? We need to make sure that we use the correct punctuation on a run sheet. What? Who would care? Who's going to look at it? Well, every single leader in our church, because it goes to everybody, if they think that you can't spell or can't do correct punctuation, what else do they think you can't do? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's just a, it's a simple, that's the stuff I look at. Well, that, that guy can't, he doesn't know how to spell or doesn't know how to use the correct contraction of these two words together, you know. So I wonder if he changed the battery on my microphone. Huh. I wonder if he's actually going to unmute me when I need to be unmuted. I wonder if they're actually going to move this prop the way we rehearsed it. Mm. I wonder if the upload that has to go out tonight is actually going to be successful because they can't spell. So I wonder what else. They, you know, It's simple things like that. And I, I'm being a little, a little obtuse with that analogy, but that's real. So details matter. And it's far more than just spelling and punctuation, but, but it's, but it's, but it's every little thing we look at. So that's what we try to train our guys. Let's look at details. Let's be the detail people. That's what will take us from being just a good team to being a great team. Challenging me right now, Stone. Uh, This one companies nicely with the details take us from good to great. Always have a backup plan. Yeah. Well, so coming from a world of if things can fail, they will fail. Mm. I mean, that's been my life. Now, I know that's a completely negative statement. Most people are like, wow, that's a way to set yourself up for failure. Well, true, but in a world that pretty much revolves around equipment that is just equipment, it's going to quit working somewhere. What is your backup plan? Well, I've I've take, I've run that on out now to, okay, let's go beyond equipment. Let's go to people. Always have a backup plan. All, let's take, for instance, a Sunday morning. We all have Sunday mornings. It's a it's a pretty crazy time. We need everybody to show up to do their jobs. Paid staff, volunteers, parking lot people, whatever. 
what happens when somebody doesn't show up? Oh my gosh. Do you scramble? Oh crap. We got to figure everything out. Or do you go, it's okay. Relax. We got a backup plan. Mm -hmm. We have, here's a thought. We have cross trained all of our personnel so everybody can do a little bit of everything. Our, our a camera guy that we needed to do this specific job didn't show. Great. You know what? We've got four other people that cross-trained to do that. They may not be exactly the same caliber, but we can slide them in. That was a backup plan. Always have one. And it does help that my dad was a Navy Navy guy, so I grew up in a Navy household. Let me just tell you, backup plans are part of the, part of the situation in, in our home. But, but I think that led me to what I do now. It set it up very nicely in that, man, you know what? A backup plan, that can really save my butt. And that can actually keep a service going. And that can actually not interrupt a service flow or a message that somebody's in the seats is trying to get. If I have a backup plan, if I figure out what to do, if something goes wrong, and I've already got it, I've got a plan B established, that could actually keep someone from being interrupted from whatever move the Holy Spirit is going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. That's really the translation. It's more of just, it's not just... Yeah, great. Well, you checked it off the list. You had a, a second piece of gear for the primary piece of gear. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, but let's let's get it right where the people live. I'm trying to keep people from being interrupted from the flow that's going on in a service. It was the same thing I did when we did concerts. I don't want the concert flow to be interrupted because of some failure. Right? I mean, so we're doing that for a completely different reason. We're doing a concert. Now we're doing services but it's the same tenant as far as you know what we're trying to do. So a backup plan just became the thing. So the the joke around the office is uh, why buy one if you can afford two. <laughs> so that's sort of you know now I don't I you know we don't carry that to every extreme, but but honestly for most things we have uh, just very literally there is another one sitting on the shelf ready to go, and that that's just uh, that's just part of it. So. This next one, I actually, I adopted this already for my team, but you don't have to ask permission to take responsibility. Oh, man. That one's a huge one, and that's one we've actually talked about as a staff here. Um, when our when our executive pastor talked about this one, about, oh, there was a, there was some of our all-staff meetings. He was talking about responsibility, and everybody everybody can take responsibility for stuff. I'm like in the back, like jumping up and down going, that, yes, that's one of mine. Yes, he did it. Um but for real, uh, never having to ask permission to take responsibility, what we do is everyone's responsibility. And that's the thing I'm trying to, to instill in our team. You, you, in in a, lot of, a lot of teams, you get in those situations where one person is making all the decisions and everybody else is just doing. That can work. That can totally work and it needs to work in some, in some situations. We're trying to cultivate something different. And this is something I, I have to work on daily letting everyone have responsibility of what we're doing let everyone own some of that responsibility they do not have to come into my office and be like master stone can we please have some of the response no just take it i would rather you go and own and take some of the responsibility on your own i would rather you go too far and take responsibility and i have to rein you in than for me to goad you into it that's that's the main thing. Once I started laying that out for my team, 
things changed. Things really changed. They started, like, uh, maybe maybe just figuratively started carrying themselves a little taller, a little bit. Maybe, you know, let their chest stick out a little bit. Like, I got this. That's the thing. When I was in my 20s and I was getting to do these things on the road, nobody was saying, well, do you want to have this responsibility stone? No, I had to go take it. I had to go own it. I had to I had to do it. I had no one to ask. I didn't have I didn't have to ask permission, but I had to step up and take responsibility for things that I may not have known anything about. But you know what? Someone who jumps up and takes responsibility, a level of authority goes with that. Mm. And you start establishing authority over a situation. And I don't mean authority like I'm in charge and this is how it's going to be, but just hey, that guy's responsible for this, and he's part of this part of the solution. That's what I'm trying to cultivate in our team, where they all step up and feel like they own part of this. And it's it's one of those where you could turn around and blink an eye, and it's failed. I mean, it's one of those we have to work on daily, because it might not be everybody's primary skill set to walk up and just start taking responsibility for something. But the more we talk about it and this list, putting it in this list and having it something that's like still written on our wall mm-hmm. where we read it all the time, it keeps it in, in mind for us and it makes us mindful that this is, I'm part of this. This is my responsibility. I don't need to ask someone for permission to, to, to take care of it. So, Man, I love that one. Do you have any, any, anything on the kind of the backside of that where like, take responsibility but like keep me posted on what's going on kind of thing yeah it's for me and 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 this is one thing that i, I i'll just be honest with you I, I have to struggle i struggle with this and i work on it daily um from so many years of being the guy who had to fix it all mm. and you get used to being a guy with all the answers which makes you a control freak it does and that's not bad in a, in a necessarily uh, in, in a production situation, you have to maintain a lot of control, but in a social setting kind of sucks. It's not, it's not good. Um, but it's one of those things I have to work on a lot is to go, okay, I would like to just have the responsibility of all this stuff and you guys just go do what I say. That would be simpler, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to me as a human. I have no way to to do that. I can't keep that going. I can for a while. I can juggle plates for a while, but I need these other guys to jump in and help me share the load. And so that's the, that's the interesting thing about it. A lot of times you can hear somebody say that and go, yeah, that's good for you, but I'll just keep my own system. If you back up and look at the big picture, and just and just stare at it. I I'll almost bet in every situation you can find situations where you can find parts of your your certain situation where you could have let the responsibility go to somebody else and it would have been better served. That's me. A lot of times on the backside, I, I it's never a critique. It's never in a meeting or something. It's just me talking to me, going, "You could have done that better, Stone. You could have let go of that. You could have let someone else share the responsibility." And it probably would have been better. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, those are things that I know and I correct and I'll deal with them the next time. I mean, I'm not going to write that down and, you know, send it to all my, uh, everybody in my address book that, 
hey, I failed here, and this is something I'm going to do. But it's just something that I go, all right, got to get better at this. Uh-huh. So that, that for me is a very personal side of, of, of that point is, I mean, this is something that I really do have to keep in front of me, hmm. is letting these guys help me share that responsibility. These next two couple together really nicely as well, but uh, we'll jump into this one is don't be afraid to speak your mind. Just know the right time to speak it. <laughs> yeah, and that one's written. There was a little bit of a sadistic laugh with yeah, that. I'm telling you. Yeah, that was kind of the evil side. So when I when I wrote these, so these are edited a little bit down from my original notes that I've got, you know, that I've had for years. And so this is one of the ones that uh, I think was a little more bold, uh, and then I edited it down a little bit. But yeah, don't be afraid to speak your mind. Nice pause. Just know the right time to speak it, right? No one likes, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to say, no one likes a minion. They think they do, but no one likes a minion in a, in a, situa- in a controlled situation where you need people to, to you know, have a backup plan. And some of the things we've talked about, you need people to take responsibility and own it and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't help me to have people who are mute, God put all these people around me and, and around all of us. He put people around us in our sphere to contribute something to what's going on. I believe that wholeheartedly. And they are they are the right person for the job, right? Mm-hmm. They have a skill set. We typically brought people into our world, whether they're a staff member being paid, whether they're a volunteer. We brought them into our world for a reason because they have something to offer. If they don't speak their mind... What, what good are they? I mean, at that point, what what good are you? I mean, not not to make you feel bad, but what are you doing to serve the situation? Mm. You're not speak. You're not saying anything. So basically, basically, you have become a minion. Mm. I don't need more minions. I need people who can take responsibility. So these these this list kind of is in order. They all kind of refer to the to some of the points above them. Um, but don't be afraid to speak your mind. However, please have some couth, as my dad used to say, have some couth and know when to speak it. There is a proper time. There is a proper forum. Um, you don't need someone to speak their mind every single time something's coming up. So so some of that is just being an adult and and learning how to gauge you know, when your opinion is necessary. But I need the opinions of the people I've surrounded myself with. There was a time when I didn't think I needed that. Mm-hmm. There were many, many years when I didn't care. Like, if I need your opinion, I'll give it to you. One of those. <laughs> right? <laughs> when in a touring situation where sometimes it's, it's there's millions of dollars at stake or sometimes even life and death situations, I don't care what your opinion is. I'm not going to say that was always the best route. Now, it served me okay, but and I was young and stupid, so I guess I can, you know, use that as my excuse. But for now, where I am now, I need I need God to speak to me through these other people. Mm-hmm. That's what they're there for. I don't have all the answers. I have uh, I can discern pretty well and I can make great management choices and I can rely on a lot of my experience, but I need these guys and what they bring to the table. So that was why I put that in there because this is something that I tell myself, "Hey Stone, just speak up." Don't, don't be afraid to speak up, but just, you know, don't be a jerk. Like, 
know when the right when when's the right time, and that's served me very well. I have actually worked for artists that that had me work for them not because of the way I could mix, not because of the way I could do production, but because I was frank and honest with them. Mm. And I would speak my mind. That's why I had the job. Now that's interesting to me, because I would think it was because I was, you know, the best audio mixer they've ever heard. That had nothing to do with it. So that's a kind of sobering moment. They wanted somebody around them that would tell them the truth, and they would speak up. So that's what I expect of the people that that are here. And it's an open forum. It's an open door. Sit down and let's talk and tell me what you think about a situation. I may disagree. It may not be the way I want to do it, but I have to make the assessment as a leader. Is it still okay to go with that route? Because are we still going to end up in the same place? If we're going to end up in the same place, then let's do it. Who cares? Right? So it's a good one to me. That Don't be afraid to speak your mind. And that one, uh, I'll just say that that one gets recounted a lot <laughs> in our team. <laughs> But that one, I feel like that one really opens the door to let people take responsibility. What you were just saying was that, yeah, it may not be the same way I would go, but we're going to end up with the same desired result. It's giving them an opportunity to lead. That's correct. And not to mention the fact that we have blind spots. As leaders, you don't see everything. That, we think we do. We think we do. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's, that's a big deal for me now. Right now is making sure, like, identifying these blind spots. And sometimes I'll have someone who's half my age who has no experience, who just has an analytical brain and go, well, what if we just did X, Y, Z? And I'll kind of just turn around and be like, who invited you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll turn around and be like, that's actually really good. Yeah. You know what? You guys need to do that. And in fact, I'm going to go back over here to my office. I'm going to let you guys carry it. You've got it. Mm. You're fine. That's that's a hard thing to do when I spent a lot of years being a control guy mm-hmm. and having to exercise a high level of control. But letting these guys speak their mind about it and where they feel comfortable to do that, that's the thing. You've got to cultivate this this area and this space and this situation where they feel okay to say that without fear of reprisal. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I enjoy about Church on the Move is we are okay to do that. Mm-hmm. It's expected for us to speak up and for us to say things that might be a dissenting opinion to the group. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're a jerk. It doesn't mean you're, you know, satanic. It just means that I see it differently. And that's, that it's point counterpoint. And I love that. So that's what I'm trying to cultivate in our, in our team, because I think it, I think it will make these guys better people. Yeah. So. So to the leaders out there, you'd say, make sure to cultivate this kind of culture and that let your people speak their mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, sometimes when I travel and consult at different churches, um, I can size up their, the, the, the source of their problems typically very quickly when you walk in the door. Hmm. Cause I'm a, you know, I'm an outside opinion. I haven't been there the whole, you know, my whole life. I'm not emotionally attached to all this stuff going on. And most times it's because the guy in charge doesn't want to hear anything from the people that are working for him. Mm. And so they feel completely squashed. They don't, they don't know what to do. They have great ideas. They feel like nobody's listening to them. They don't have a voice. They have no opinion. And that's terrible. I mean, that's a hard thing to fix right there. So, and sometimes those are the hardest days. Mm -hmm. Like I walk in and they expect me to do all this great stuff. And I'm like, 
well, I guess we could if we can get rid of that guy, you know, and because you actually have good ideas and you guys probably wouldn't even need me if somebody had just let you voice some opinion, mm. right? Yeah. In a in a in a controlled, respectful way. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's an interesting uh, dynamic to be in the middle of. But most times you can find some resolution and 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 listen, and, you know, and get people to listen to what you're trying to say. But um, I figured that if I can instill some of these properties and, and some of these uh, these ideas into my team when they're young, and because who knows what their future is, mm-hmm. who knows where they're going to go, the more people I can share this with and explain and be open to and show them by example of being open to opinions of someone who's very much my junior. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I mean, that you you've really done some cool training there. So. To me, that's a this is a huge leadership point. Yeah, oh, man, that's good. Um, <clears throat> and then I want to wrap up with this one. I, man, this one is so good. Uh, it's your final one on here, and it says God designed each day with exactly enough hours to complete everything we need to accomplish. Man, this one. So I had had a little different version of this for a long time, and and uh, someone who's who's been on this podcast, so Kirby Anderson. Mm. The first time I heard him do a a seminar on time management. Uh, I had asked him to come and speak to my team. Uh, this was several years ago and he just did an entire, Oh man, I guess I think he packed like a, he said he packed a 12 hour day into like a three hour time frame. Whoa. And he blew us up and I had, I knew a lot of the stuff he was going to talk about, but I was like, I, I need you to come speak to my team about time management because a lot of these guys are young. Mm. They need some, you know, they just, this is great. And, and there's nothing better than getting this fatherly counsel on time management from someone that we respect. So he said something similar similar to this, and it was so great because I had it already written down in my in my just personal, you know, notes of, of, of this this entire list. But it was so great because it reinforced what I feel all the time. And this came when I first started talking about this, about, you know. Hey, there's enough time to get it all done. Um, so when I lived in Nashville, you know, I'm spending, it feels like if I, I can't, I mean, there's not enough hours to do anything. Mm-hmm. I need a 36 hour day to get it done. And why sleep? I mean, I can't, that's just a waste of time. Think of all the stuff I can get done. And I mean, everything's just this fast pace and I'm running my own company and running these tours and I have all these people and how am I going to do this and traveling all the time and. And I'm doing a bulk of my traveling and flying before uh, smartphones. And before, mm. I mean, I had a laptop, but it was huge. And we all had pagers and, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> bag phone in the car. Yeah, bag phone in the car. <laughs> and there was a race out of every every uh, plane that you would disembark off of. There's a race to get to the pay phone. Oh, my god! The bank of pay phones. And yes. use your AT&T calling card. Yeah. And two cents a minute kind of thing. <laughs> That's the world I'm revolving in. So you think about, this is really important. Every hour you're sitting on a plane is complete wasted time. Every hour you're sleeping is complete wasted time. There's no, there's no internet. There's nothing going along in the background working mm-hmm. while you're doing something else. So you can see how this is a much more frust- came out of a lot more frustration than it would today. But it still holds true. And the thing that's interesting to me is that the greatest people in our history, 
the greatest people, whether whether that's Albert Einstein, whether that's Aristotle, whether that's um, General Patton, whoever, they had the same amount of time in their days to do what I have to do in mine. And it puts things in a really interesting perspective that, okay, calm down, Stem. It's all going to be all right. If I'm the right person for the job, if I believe that God put me here, then I need to believe that he designed today to have exactly enough time to do what I need to do. Hmm. Now, the key, am I open to being guided by him today and what I'm going to get done? When I find that I'm stressed and I don't have any way to get it done and I'm just like, it's all falling apart, I can generally look back after the fact and go, dude, I told I was totally running my own agenda today. Hmm. I wasn't I wasn't being very I wasn't being very forthright with paying attention to what where's the mind of Christ today? Where's God? What do I really need to get done? I mean, use your call it gut instinct, call it discernment, call it voice of the Holy Spirit, call it whatever you want. Call it indigestion. I don't know. But <laughs> follow your I mean your your heart and brain are they, they can kind of guide you sometimes if you let emotions get out of it. So for me, when I really could take a step back and go, it's all right, man. God designed today with exactly enough time to get done with what we got to get done. Telling that to a production person or a very busy leader is huge. Hmm. Is huge. Because we all scramble around. And this goes right back to the, to the thing, the entire reason to have some of these things here. If I'm running on empty, what have I got to give to anybody else? If I'm running on empty, physically, spiritually, emotionally, everything. I mean, come on. What? How can I be expected to give out of nothing? Mm-hmm. I can't give out of zero. God can do anything, but I don't think he designed it that way. And listening to Kirby that day made me realize how important this was to the production world. And I needed to make sure I told my guys this thing. All, as much as possible. And so that's our deal. We'll get to the end of the day sometimes, and there's a lot to do. We could never leave. Mm. There's always something to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always something to do. We all are busy. But sometimes it's like, go home. Go eat. Go on a date. Go to your small group. Leave. Sleep. Just just, just leave. Mm. And there's certain people around, around here at Church on the Move that We've started having to do this in certain departments. Like, you know what? Close your computer, walk away, breathe, go kiss your babies, bye. Because guess what? Tomorrow it's going to be here. God didn't build this church for it to crumble overnight because you didn't get that email sent. Right? Mm -hmm. Be sensitive to where Christ is guiding you and where God's guiding you on your day and your time. And I promise you there's enough time to get it done. So, and so this sounds like, as I'm saying this, like, wow, son, you've got it all figured out. Dude, I tell myself this every single day. I mean, this is the thing. And I have to just back up sometimes and go, okay, I didn't get it all done today. But it, getting all of it done, how much of that was stuff that was sort of my agenda? And how much of that was stuff that I really needed to, you know, really needed to focus on? And it's amazing when you when you back up a little bit how things clear up. How things clear up and you just go, all right, God didn't design my life to have me working 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't design all the hours in a week 
for me to spend all of it working. In fact, he designed it for you to spend about a third of it working and a third of it sleeping and a third of it doing whatever else you want to do. Eating, entertaining, hanging out with other people, living, all that kind of stuff. How many of us, how many of us have that all screwed up? And I'm not saying I'm perfect and, and have that all figured out because it does get busy and it does get crazy. But if I can pay attention to that, that and just remember that God designed today, like he designed today, we're, we're talking today, it's the beginning of the day, he designed today with exactly enough time for me to get done everything that he needs me to get done. Hmm. So that's the challenge. Stone, these have been incredible. And we, we, we got to, we only got to cover, we got to cover the majority of them. We didn't get to cover all of them. Um, you've actually got a blog written on all of these at seeds.churchonthemove.com. And I'll link to this. Um, we'll put together some show notes uh, for this episode and we'll link to that so that if folks want to go get the rest of this, they can. Uh, but real quick, before we run out of here, I want to jump to a segment we love, we love to do. It's called Rapid Fire where we're just going to fire a bunch of questions at you, no time to think, um, you just have to answer. Bring it on. All right, so here we go with Rapid Fire. Quick, think fast, rapid fire, rapid fire. First and foremost, favorite band of all time. Oh, that's going to be Rush. <laughs> I don't even have to look at the posters behind me. <laughs> I thought you were like, I, most people are like, whoa, man, I can't pick one band, and um, you're just, um, no questions, it's Rush. Rush. Okay, uh, favorite song. Of all time, favorite song of all time, man. I'm gonna have to. Okay, I'm gonna. It's it's a song by Rush. Sure, but it's called Y Y Z. I I need to say why. Uh, it the, the letters Y Y Z. Um, it's a song with no lyrics. It's just an amazing song by three talented musicians that are. I mean, very pivotal to me as a as a drummer at the time when I was young and. I'm still a huge fan. Probably the one band that I'm actually a fan of, right? The song YYZ, uh, the entire meter that the song was done in was done based around the Morse code of YYZ, which is the airport code for Toronto, which is where they all live or lived at the time. Whoa. So, um, so, so you know, every every airport has a three, a three character code mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. So, uh, Nashville is BNA. Um, you know, Chicago O'Hare is, I think, CHI or something like that, whatever it is. Uh, CHD, maybe. So Toronto is YYZ. So the entire song, the, the, the drum pattern that he's playing and the guitar pattern that they're playing is Morse code for YYZ. Whoa. And it is a rockin' song. <laughs> when I figured that out and and actually read somewhere, I, I was probably thirteen or fourteen. I think my brain exploded. <laughs> and and even yesterday, I was on the way here and it came on Sirius XM and I just I just cranked it all the way up and listened to the whole thing and I'm just like, you know what? That is the coolest song ever. So yeah. it's very interesting that you asked me that today because I was just thinking about it yesterday. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so favorite movie of all time. Um. So favorite movie of all time, I'm I'm gonna have to say The Godfather for me. The first one, the first, one. or the the whole the trilogy, just the first one. Uh, Godfather two, three, forget it. Godfather two uh, got a little long. Godfather one, like it blew my mind up. Yeah, when I first watched it and understood it. Yeah, so I've probably watched it like five trillion times now. But when I finally watched it and understood it, I was just like. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. Just the way 
just the way that mob family worked mm-hmm. and that they're so everything they do is grounded and wrong but they're so like they're so passionate about what they did I, I couldn't understand it so that to me it's one of those that like basically is never not on my iPad so if I'm ever on a plane and I can't get online or do whatever I can always get into that and absorb so <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you, your mind has exploded several times in your yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, uh, you totally threw me off track, actually. Uh, uh, fa- <laughs> favorite book, a, a bu- besides the Bible, besides the Bible, a book that has been really pivotal in your growth? Um, you know, it's a, it's a book that uh, it's basically a, a bunch of quotes from Charles Spurgeon. And I think I have it. Hang on. Right here. Yes. So it's this one. I mean, I know it sounds weird, but this one is called Morning and Evening Daily Readings. I I know that's kind of a weird name, but it's all stuff by Spurgeon. And so you can go through here and read what this guy has written. And I'm not. So I'm getting this all screwed up as far as like historically who's yeah, what Spurgeon has meant to our world and everything. But when I would read some of this stuff, I'd be like, what the heck with this guy? Like, like this stuff is so relevant to where I am mm. now. And I don't know when I got this thing. So what well, 98, I got it in 1998 and I don't know. So for it to be sitting here, like right behind my desk, like, so this sits with the Bible. I mean, that those, those are the two things. And this has nothing to do with like fiction or anything like that. This is just something that's meant something to me. And I've carried this book around with me for a lot of years and travel bags and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. So Spurgeon, there you go. There you have it. And then lastly here, favorite quote. Huh? Favorite quote. Can it be one of my own? Absolutely. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it's kind of interesting and I'm probably going to get this all wrong because it's not, it's a very long quote, but, uh, it, it has something goes something like this. Um, the music business. So this is, this is kind of just take my whole career. This makes sense. The music business is a cruel, shallow money trench where good men die like dogs. And there's also a negative side. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> that wow. And so that was uh, that was a statement um, made. I believe that was made by Henry Rollins from a band called the Rollins Band. Uh, and I would remember that when I was in the inter- just before I worked at a church, but doing music business and entertainment. Uh, cruel, shallow money trench where good men die like dogs. And there's also a negative side, right? <laughs> it was the only thing that would make you go, it have a little bit of levity in just in a really somber, sober situation, you know, or terrible situation you're in. And I still reflect on it every now and then and I go, man, how true and how great God is that I don't have to do that every day anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I get to do the great side of that. Yeah. So it's still something that I have written down in a few different places and I'll run across it every now and then I'll be like, man, it's so weird what 20 years will do because I'm... 20 years ago, I would read that and go, oh, no kidding. And now I look at it and go, yeah, no kidding. Wow. 
Wow. Life sure is good now. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Man, thank you so much for coming on today. What If folks want to get in touch with you, whether to have you come consult, speak, or just to get in touch in general, what's the best way to do it? Man, the best way is just hit me up on Twitter. I am, I'm not the social king, but uh, someone did shame me into getting uh, involved in Twitter years ago. Um, and, and I'm glad I did because it's, it's been a really cool way to stay connected. So Twitter is the best way. And that's just at Stone Rocks, right? It's at uh, Stone underscore. Stone underscore rocks. Yeah. Stone Rocks was taken. So, <laughs> but you can, you can find me there. And, and man, if, if there's anything that just even a question or something like that, hit me up and I can definitely send you an email address and, and get connected. But that's the best way to track me down. So there you go, folks. Make sure to t- hit, it, hit him up at Stone underscore Rocks on Twitter. Again, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Andrew, if you are listening to this, you are just a beast of an individual. I can't thank you enough for joining uh, today. I can't wait to have you back on the show at some point. You are just a, a sponge of information uh, and uh, love everything that you have to share. And I know we were only able to scratch the surface. Um, so thank you, sir, for joining us on the show today. And folks, if you're listening and you're not subscribed to the Creative Sheet Podcast, go ahead and do so if you would. Hit subscribe on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio. Leave us a review. Uh, it helps us get in front of other folks just like you uh, so that they can uh, get, a, get a hold of this amazing information uh, to inspire them to get better at their craft. That's right. And Jared, these days, uh, communication is changing. Okay. And telephone uh, and mail is not the only way to communicate. That's true. It's absolutely, there's more ways. Tell me more. You've got Twitter. What is this? You tweet, you can tweet things in oh. 140 characters. Interesting. It's, yeah, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, you got all these modes of communication. Okay. Yes. So we're on these things. Really? Yeah. And here's what our, our, our is it a screen name? Is that what we call it? Y- username? Or username. A, a, at, ta- a handle, if you will? It is at creative underscore sheep. At creative, make sure you put the underscore in, sheep. That's right, folks. Go check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yes. Let us know your thoughts. Hit us up with a question. We'd love to answer it here on the Creative Sheep Podcast. We'd also love to know who's listening. Give you a shout out here on the show. So, folks, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We will see you all again in a couple of weeks. That's right. This is me giving you an audio high five. <laughs>